Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another rousing rendition of what we like to call here the Brethren Podcast. It's spelled B-R-E-A-D like bread, uh, because we always talk about our bread and always getting bread. And when I say we, I always have to include my illustrious co-host, Dr. Ajamu Loving, PhD, CFP. That stands for uh, Doctorate of Philosophy and Certified Financial Planner, because he is qualified for those things. And also, Mr. Destrian Wells of D. Wells Consulting, uh, two fine gentlemen here this evening. How y'all doing? Doing great, my brother. Doing great. Yeah. Well, all good mm-hmm. here, fam. Um, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little odd right now because what the people don't know is we are recording at a at a very odd time frame. It is midday. <laughs> it's midday. So be prepared to uh to get something that you've never gotten before. You are getting a midday version of Bridger Podcast. Obviously, this will release at a different time, but just you know, frame of frame of reference, we are recording this midday. Uh, but before yeah. we hop into our conversation in true brethren form, I don't know what everybody else is doing midday, but I myself have a small, uh, I'm going to call it a Mac mule in honor of myself, which is it's just like a Moscow mule. Except for I, don't, I ain't with Russia like that. So it's a Mac mule. Uh, so a little vodka mm-hmm. and uh, some ginger beer and assortments of things. Um, but is anybody else partaking of any, of any afternoon delights? Yeah. I was going to say today, you, I am drinking the finest of hazelnut coffee. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and Mr. Wells has it's, it's uh, definitely not my normal brethren drink, but uh, this is the uh, oh, excuse me, no, this is creme brulee coffee. It's oh, creme brulee. Yeah. fancy, mm-hmm. fancy, much like the suit that Mr. Wells has on yeah, that they can't see. Uh, but he is drinking a controversial water, it's Deer Park. A lot of people don't like Deer Park, man. Hey, it was what was in there. Hey, look, that's what look simple, straightforward to the point. Um, but in true brethren fashion, we will raise our drinks and luckily and hopefully this conversation will be like all the others that we have had and they will be of service to the people uh bread being dropped and crumbs being picked up by those who can get them cheers cheers brother now we've had a quite lengthy um pre-recording conversation where we you know we talked about all things and i'm glad that we had it because i wanted to talk with y'all today about something that Doc mentioned in the in the in the first episode, and our second episode, our first was you know second episode of the season, our first cocktail convo of the season. Um, I had a conversation with ChatGPT, which is which is an AI. Um, so today, I wanted to talk with you all about uh, disruptive innovation because Doc, you mentioned it, and in the frame of reference of. It, disruptive innovation for ourselves and our lives in terms of our life and our business, family, finance, and all of those things. Um, it's just to dive a little bit deeper into that and kind of bring up some of these, you know, some of these tools and resources that helps create that disruptive innovation for ourselves uh, besides just the mindset, right? Like, obviously, if you, mm-hmm. if, if you don't have the mindset, you can't do it. But uh, in more tangible terms, what are some of the things that people can do to create it for ourselves? Um, and we've all had uh, some some extensive conversations about AI um, and just a lot of the uh, the technology that we have around us and tools and resources that we have in place that allow us to do these things, but we may not be approaching them in that way. Like we mm-hmm. think of, you know, Alexa and Google uh, you know, these tools and we just kind of, you know, like cut the lights on, you know, turn the music up, play me a song, things like that. But, um, one example, Alexa asked me the other day was like, Hey, do you want me to start turning this light on and off every night at the same time? And inside my Google home app, you can create routines, which I have a routine for when we're on travel, you know, to turn the lights on and off at certain times. Um, but, Approaching it in the way and in the mind frame of, you know, how can I use all of these uh, things to make me better, to create disruptive innovation in my life for my benefit, obviously. Um, So that's the conversation that I want to have. I will throw it to you first, Doc. Uh, Immediately, what comes to mind? Well, what immediately comes to mind for me is using the technology available to get you over your your usual stumbling blocks, right? So if you're like me and you have a tough time getting the ball rolling on a research paper, right? That's the hardest thing. 
it's like, okay, I conceive of it in my head. I conceive of it in my head. Maybe I'll start an outline and then stop and, and uh, you know, write a couple of words on the page and then not have anything get stuck. The great thing about having something um, that is artificial intelligence related is you say, okay, look, this is what I need. I need an outline for a book on uh personal financial responsibility now is the ai going to give you the perfect outline no but you tell it you need an outline for a 300 page book what it's going to give you is that outline plus like page markers so that you know that this can potentially get you to that place where you likely have to change some of the topics absolutely are you going to have to do some things different than what it is that it's giving you probably but is that structure infinitely valuable to you based on the stumbling block that you typically have? It most certainly is because it would have taken you hours, if not days, sometimes weeks or months or even years to get beyond your own stumbling block and do it. And so the nice thing about having some of this technology is now it takes away from the, the, um, the difficulties that you might have had and gives you an opportunity to get over your own self in a, in a really powerful way. And so that's just one example of what it, of what it can do. But I think it's important to recognize that this stuff isn't about um, feeding your power or your abilities to the machines. It's about enhancing what it is that you have with what the machines can do for you. I like the way you I like the way you put that with enhancements, you know, um, you know, we've been honestly as a society, I feel like we we may have been um, programmed, for lack of a better term, to covet enhancements, but also kind of frown upon them. If that makes sense, you know, performance enhancing drugs are frowned upon, but the results are often coveted, you know plastic surgery, things, there's things of nature, but that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day. I want to come to, to the numbers, man, Mr. Wells, how do we quantify, uh, these enhancements? Because in, 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 in essence, if I'm taking, um, if I'm taking performance enhancing, PEDs. If I'm taking PEDs and I play as some sort of a sport, I can quantify it by my increase in productivity uh, with points or, you know, whatever, whatever it is uh, that that is quantified as a goal. <clears throat> um, but in terms of regular everyday life, the average man, if I'm using this, the, these technologies and this disruptive innovation within my life, how do I actually quantify it? Yeah, so I think that's a really good question. I think you do it in a few ways. The, the first, the first way that I would suggest is the a quick measure is always time. How are you spending your time? That's something that is easily identifiable, easily identifiable, and easily measurable. And when you look at things that are meant to enhance, everything still comes with a pro and a con. And I think what you have to do is look at the cost benefit analysis. Will disruption cause some people to hurt for a period of time? It typically does. Any path forward or any struggle or any progress kind of re requires some struggle in order to find the appropriate balance. Right. And so when you're looking at iteration one of an iPhone, we're light years ahead of where we were when iteration one came out. So we've grown with it as a society and it's now embedded in our culture. So when you think about positive disruptions and keep keep in mind, we're talking about positive disruptions. So if you frame it in that context, when you want to start to quantify them, what type of positive um, what type of positive strides are we going to be able to make because of these disruptions? So um, look at it. Look at it like this, AJ. I need to Dr. Loving used the example. He needed to write a book. Well, I have a seminar that I have to do. I can find out from my AI what is most relevant for me to cover. So. From my perspective, I may have a lens on what I want to give and what I want to provide, but the user experience may be enhanced if I simply speak to this AI who's downloading, you know, metadata, all these thoughts 
and it says, well, this is what's really important to people. This is what people are asking me. Now I can cater, I can cater the information to a demographic in a much better and more defined way without doing a think tank, without having to do a lot of fundamental research. So it increases my productivity again, going back to time. So I've spent less time preparing. I can be more effective and impactful when I show up. And now you walk away with a greater message. That would seem to be positive disruption for me because now the end user is getting more of what they want. My impact goes up. So I think it's about responsible use of innovation and disruptive technologies. I mean, Facebook has done a lot of great things for us and social media platforms in general. But let's face it, they've also come with some ugly truths about innate things and qualities and characteristics that rest and lie within the human element. Did the artificial intelligence um, or AI do that? Or did they bring out what was already innately embedded in people? And I saw, I think, one of the things you have to look at is the evolution of life and the way that we're going to have it. And we always say we want to have life and have it more abundantly. One way of measuring that is the positive impact that this can make. But I also think it's going to require some increased social um, and civic responsibilities in order to really harness it and use it for the, what it was meant for, as opposed to kind of going left and allowing this thing to get out of hand, so to speak. Yeah, now that's interesting that you say that because I, you know, the thing that, about copy AI and all these other sort of programs that I'm hearing from other professors is, hey, how do we deal with the fact that students will go to one of these programs, tell it what it is the assignment is, and then the writing assignment will be done by artificial intelligence instead of the student him, his or her, him or herself. And I think, you know, this is where you have to start to become creative as an educator, uh, because if it's already completely AI driven, it's pulling that information from somewhere, it's synthesizing it, but it can be duplicated in a way that you couldn't duplicate it if an actual person had written it. The other thing that you have to do is add elements to it that make it more difficult for somebody to pass something off like that, where you have presentation elements, where you make it so that they have to show you and demonstrate their understanding of what's actually happened here. And I think you just have an additional sort of ethical um, responsibility, at least from the from the uh, professor side, to try to um, come up with ways to make sure that you're getting something that's authentically from the from the individual student. But I think from the student side, they have to recognize that the human capital that it is that they are supposed to be showing, they're acquiring throughout that school, this schooling process. That's what the degree is about, is uh, showing that you have this human capital. Well, that's something that is going to going to make itself apparent if you don't have it. You're not going to be able to fake your way out of certain things eventually, right? And when you get there to that position where you've, where you've gotten to, into the door off of somebody else's effort, you've gotten um, out, of, uh, out of school by using the effort and the, uh, the tools around you, but not mastering it, it to any real level, then eventually what's going to happen is that place that you come to where you're not equipped because you haven't put in the necessary work. And I think that is going to be a thing that people have to be careful of with any tool, right? The calculator. I remember when we, you remember times tables and you'd be sitting up there having <laughs> to tap like every black family remembers the, the times tables, whether, you had, look, whether it was handled grade, with violence or third grade, you violence. had to stand third, my third grade teacher, Mrs. Horn. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether she. I don't know whether she's alive or left us. And if she left us, you know, God rest soul. If she's not, I, I pray you in in, in good health. Um, that was third third grade. You had to go stand. Every student had to stand in front of the class and do their times tables from one to twelve, all the way through. Mm -hmm. And whatever you stopped on, you had to go sit down. And if time was time, if we had time, you come back and try it again, or you had to wait till the next day. And it was it went until everybody finished. From one times one times one is one, all the way to twelve times twelve is one forty four. You had to one times one is one, one times two is two, all the way from one to twelve until you finished it. 
And as as hard as that sounds, you know, got to do it. But it now, works. but now you can be like, okay, Google, what is one hundred and forty four times one thousand? Yeah. Well, see, I, I don't, I don't find, I don't find a problem with that. <laughs> I don't find a problem with that. And let me tell you why. So, I, I realize this is what I realize, and follow me on this analogy, like just really broadly, take it away from students. Um, just look at this holistically, right? I think that as opposed to be adversarial, we need to learn how to leverage the tools. So a hammer does not have to be an adversary with a nail. In fact, they are actually in relationship with each other. You know, one is codependent on the other to get a job done. So we have to find that hybrid or cyborg approach, so to speak, to make sure that this happens. For, for me, I look at this as a Again, a time-saving activity for me. If I'm going to use one of these technologies, example, my son is learning his timetables, he's learning to read. I can leverage this as a tool to be present with him when I need to be doing work. We can use that as an additional teaching tool. So yes, he's talking to it. But I think what happens is the more he is able to push the AI's limits, the more the AI pushes his limits, or our limits to think, to challenge you to think differently. So if everyone just says, uh, hey, chat GTP, I want you to write me a paper on the uh, basic elements of finance. Okay, great. You're going to have a lot of similar things. But the student that the student and or employer or employee that can have a more intimate relationship and really dig deep and learn how to speak to the AI as if you're speaking in relationship with another person, they're going to get much better and more quantifiable and more deeply um, exercised and thoughtful results. So you, I think you, that you bring up the next point that I, that I want that I want that I want to talk about is, you know, the effective communication aspect of it. Yeah. And obviously, you know, introspectively, you got to you got to be like, are you effectively communicating with yourself? Doc, uh, We've all we you know I I, I talked with Doc and, and shared with him some of the results from the AI the same ones that me and you were were doing Destrian where we were asking the questions, um and 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 you know trying if effectively in our minds we were trying to push it but seeing what it was able to produce I don't feel like we were really pushing it and that's what I want right. to do is I want to really push it and the way that you are able to do that is through effective communication which obviously you have to be able to effectively communicate with yourself to know, you know, and I think one of the things that it said was uh, one of the questions that we asked it, you know, setting, I think it was a personal invest, investment statement uh, or something like that. And, but it, it kept one of the, one of the key tones that came from it was it kept saying, make sure that you're honest with yourself and others about your financial situation. Make sure that you're honest with yourself and others about your financial situation. Make sure that you're honest with yourself and others about your financial situation. I think it mentioned it like three times in the whole speech or whatever we had it right. And, you know, I picked up on it like, okay, you, you like in order to co communicate with the AI, like like Destry said, you can ask it a very basic question. Write me like if you if you got the syllabus for a class and we're talking, you know, if we're talking in uh, in the education realm. You got the syllabus for the class and the the rubric for the paper, and it's just like, hey, write me a paper on ancient Egypt. You can just go to the e AI and say, write me a paper on ancient Egypt, and it's just gonna write you something very basic, very bland. No nuance to it, no emotion, no tone. It's just going to be, it's going to feel like it came straight out of an encyclopedia. But if you were to run it, you wouldn't get a result for plagiarism because it's able to do that effectively. That's one of the keys to it. But if you're able to, if you're able to actually go and say, you know, write me a paper explaining the significance of the feline influence and the astronomical influences on, you know, really use adjectives and be descriptive and effectively communicate with it. Now you're going to get, you're going to get something totally different. You know, you can tell an art, an artist to paint me a blue picture and you can get a canvas with nothing but blue on it. But if you say, paint me a picture with 
all of the shades of blue. Now you get something different. You get something artistic in most people's minds. Um, but another point that Destry brought up that I that I want to shift the conversation towards is positive disruption. Now, obviously, we're talking about disruptive innovation within our lives and you know and around us, but positive disruption. And that brings me to the point of responsible use. Um, like you said, the a the AI gives you in terms of productivity, it gives you access to the collective. It can give you, you know, what is what it what and social media as well gave 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 everybody access to the collective. But it's also about responsible use. And one of my mantras, I, I believe it, it it keeps coming up. One of my mantras for this year also will be um the to you don't have to impress people. You need to leave an impression on people. Whereas I don't have to be flashy for you to remember me as the flashy person. I can I want you to remember me because of the actual conversation that we held. Me and DJ, me, you and Doc, we always say, like, you know, to engage in the human experience. Um, mm -hmm. and what Destrian said, well, you know, in terms of this positive disruption and this 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 blending, this cyborg, for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. where we're figuring out how all this works for us is productivity and time. Like if we got the time back now, the time that I spent, you know, if I'm an author and I got to write a book because that check, you know, <laughs> the publishing company's on my back, but I can't get over that block. Now I am, now I integrate this AI with me where it's like, I got an in-house editor, you know, a little bit of in-house mm -hmm. technological motivation where it's like, Hey, I'm, there's a part in this book right now where I'm trying to get, I, I just don't know what to do. Write me a scenario where these two things, you know, how would you, and the AI spits it out and then it inspires you. And now, boom, the chapter's done. And now you got time to go engage in the human experience more because you have effectively communicated and effectively integrated this innovation in your life. And it's responsible use, whereas you don't rely on it heavily. It isn't the sole thing that you are, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's not where all of your results are coming from. Because if that's the case, somebody finds out you're the Wizard of Oz and it's like, well, see, I never needed you all. I got the ruby slippers the whole time. Let's talk about that. Let's let's look. Let's talk about it in the frame of the Wizard of Oz. Ain't go right now. It's got to go. So it's got to be a tool, right? And, and a tool implies that you have some level of knowledge within the entire field, and you can leverage that tool to get more effective results. And I think the more powerful the tool, the the more that is demanded in terms of your mastery and understanding what's going on in order to use it effectively. Right. And so you have to be you have to be careful about your use of tools when you have no idea where it is that you're going or what it is that you're supposed to be doing, because the same way you can use a floor sander and, and create a beautiful floor that is, you know, now that's now ready for stain is the way you can use that floor standard sand and grind through a couple feet. Of, that, of your wooden floor and destroy it now and have to replace the entire floor and surface because you didn't know what you were doing with that tool, right? These powerful tools are going to demand a certain level of facility. And the more that you are, what, what it should be doing is helping you yield more. What it should be doing is for that person who understands the books that they're trying to write. It gets them through those spots that they would be stuck it puts them in a position where it's like, okay, let's start to organize these things a little bit better and let's increase the productivity associated with the type of work I already know how to do and I'm engaged in, right? That is a wonderful and powerful thing. When you start to use it and think, well, I can use this instead of my abilities and, and, and despite my lack of abilities, um, and you start to fill in gaps that you don't really understand well enough, that's where it can be a problem. The great thing is when it can remind you of something, right? That's the, that's the cool thing that technology can do, can remind you of something that you already had, had thought of and forgot to put in there, maybe help you see things a different way. 
when you have it where it ends up taking over your whole process because you don't have enough human capital to master it now you're not you're not using the technology the technology is using you you're not able to give what it is that you ought to be able to give or get what you ought to get out of it because still at the end of the day people are more important than things right and so when it comes down to it you have to have some knowledge in order to be able to, to to get the most out of it, to get the most out of any tool. Um, a calculator is great. It is a time-saving thing, right? It's a wonderful thing because of that. But your understanding of how math works makes it so that if somebody says, what's 144 times a thousand, your mind already takes that thousand, multiplies it by the 144, your answer is there before you can even utter the words. Why? Because you understand how math works right and so then you can ask yourself and you can ask the technology higher order questions that are going to make your math even more efficient and effective when you're starting to apply it to things that you have a high level of intuition about and can sort through the positives and negatives that it brings to you and distill down to something that's going to be even more effective for you and do so faster and this, you know, I, I, t I do talks on this in uh, financial services and why it's so important to have these things is, is because now um, it's, it, we have more certified financial planners than ever. Wonderful thing. Right. But we still need more certified financial planners more than we've ever needed them. And so the uh, ability to see more clients, to do so effectively, to have those clients enter data, to organize that information efficiently, all of those things leaves you the opportunity now to make deeper relationships, to drive those deeper relationships that are likely to be not just more profitable, but more impactful for everybody, and to be able to have more of them, right? And that's it's a powerful thing. That is what technology does when it deep it, when it deepens the relationship that people can have with one another and increases the impact that you can have across uh, the uh, cross section of folks. Why? Because now you have a technology enabled practice, which allows you to save and use your time most effectively. That's a powerful can gift. We, can we stay right there for a second? Because I was I I really was thinking about this in terms of like just the industry that we operate in. And for me, it, it goes back to what you just said. I think about the gap in education that a lot of clients have when they walk through your door and you spend so much of your time just trying to get folks on par to a baseline of zero. A technology such as this, you could go in and kind of have a questionnaire, so to speak. And you could li literally give this to folks that are interested in coming on as clients because these things take time to make things to do. You may have to hire a person, but now you can you can streamline some of these things. Imagine someone coming in with their kids and they want and we know this to be true, that most wealthy folks do not and are not honest or have conversations with the people that are going to inherit the money that they're going to leave behind. And therefore, the, the literacy gap is so large and so big. A tool like this is a fun way, an easy way, a unique way for young people to start to get comfortable with having the conversation around financial literacy um, and things of that nature. When they come in, they have a baseline. So you're not you don't have to hold their hand, so to speak, to tell them things that they may or may not have been able to get sitting across from mom and dad at the dinner table. Maybe those conversations are not discussed there, but you can introduce something that's easy for them and it's not intimidating. And so that's why I think, again, looking at, you said responsible use, the pros and cons are always going to be there. What do you need from it? How can you be a good citizen of it? And then how are you going to use that to empower and impact others? If you know, you can use your voice for good, you can use your voice for bad, and you can use this technology in the same way. But I think it's a net plus for most folks that are waking up every day trying to do the things that they need to do to get ahead. This is yet another tool in their toolkit that they can pull out and say, you know what, I'm going to be more productive, more effective, more efficient. Maybe this allows someone to go back to school that said, mm -hmm. you know what, 
I just don't have the bandwidth or time because that idea generation takes a lot of energy in itself. Imagine a single mom with two kids or a single dad or a family where one spouse travels and the other is primarily at home. This could be a catalyst that sparks a lot of change and creates a higher, a more, a more highly educated population. Um, and we know we need to catch up with the rest of the world. And so while we're we're kind of running in the in, in muddied waters here, is this good or bad for us? I would challenge folks to take note at how other nations and how other ecosystems and economies are looking at leveraging this technology, because it'll once again be somewhere where the United States is left behind or left holding the bag, being a consumer and not a producer in an evolving and growing space. So I love the way things always come together here. Um, I've become a fan of the midday conversation um, for obvious and obvious reasons. Um, But at the end, I want to give you what is the uh, technical definition of disruptive innovation. Disruptive innovation refers to the innovation that transforms expensive or highly sophisticated products or services previously accessible to a high end or more skilled segment of consumers to those that are more affordable and accessible to a broader population. Is that not yeah. what we have sat and described in this yeah. very conversation? I just wanted yeah. to make sure. Yes, absolutely. And and I think it's important that it has. Um, the fact is, when you start to look at financial services and the options and opportunities that are out there, we have people who are who are left behind in many ways. And um, it's a costly thing, not just to all of the the corporate interests and everybody who could be making money if these people were allocating their uh, investments more effectively or saving more effectively or, or, you know, all of those things. Yeah, that that's great. But when we start to think about what it is that people do with money is creating additional opportunities, having options, having the feeling of free will feeling like you are winning within an economy and a society. These are national security issues where when you start to have people think that these things have broken down, then instability arises. Then people start to throw garbage cans through windows because they don't feel like the environment around them is one in which they can succeed, right? And so if we're doing this right we can start to create a place wherein oh you need financial advice guess what there are people who are available to give you financial advice because their time has been freed up based on the fact that we have technology there to uh to guide us through some of the things that would typically take long and suck the time out of the overall process plus not only that We can create financial planners more quickly, too, right? Because now people can access the material better. People can get to it more quickly. It's easy. It's far easier to even get a CFP now that they have employed additional technology that doesn't allow you, doesn't make it so that you have to take that that test sitting in a place on paper. Now they have it across the country and across the world now at different centers where you take the exam. When you start to add elements of technology, now you start to scale things in a way. And that's where that scale can make these things more impactful to people here and worldwide. And you start to be able to export some of that, some of that technology, but as well, some of that efficiency to make lives better worldwide. And that's what it, that's what life is really about. At least the way that I see it, at least showing that we love one another is about making uh, life a little bit easy and a little bit work, more worth living for the other people around us. Two things. Doc, did you just low-key hint at a conversation about the correlations of poverty and crime? And number two, <laughs> and number two, damn, I forgot what number two was. Number two. <laughs> look, man, it's it, all of these things, man. I think a lot of times folks look at this. Oh, well, this is a business issue or this is a this is a governmental issue. These that's issues what, are that's what number two issues, was. Man. Number two was. And did you also hint at the fact that 
when we're talking about scale, we all all we really talking about is increasing access. Is, yeah, is that what you know? Is scaling anything all about? Isn't it all about just increasing access to it? I mean, of course, you can then dive deeper into it and be like, you know, maintaining quality, you know, efficiency. Sure. But it's really about disagree. Like, if I want to scale my company, I just want to make it accessible to more customers. Yeah. Is it is it good? Yeah, it's good. It's good right here on this block. Would it be good on another block? Yeah. Would it be good uh, uh, on the other side of the nation? Yeah. Might they like this in another country? Yeah. Do we have the ability and the resources in order to do it? Well, with technology and increased uh, transfer of information? Absolutely. Right. And that's the thing is, it, you know, I my worry when I hear professors talking about like, oh, OK, are they using this, uh, these artificial intelligence technologies to cheat is mm-hmm. what is it that you think of as cheating? Right. If we know that we have these new things that are available, these new technologies, integrate those technologies and expect more. I don't like the idea of closed book tests. Why? Because we don't live in a closed book life, Mm. right? We have information all around us. I need to know that you can take that information, use that information analyze it and synthesize it into something better and new. That's where the margin, the money, the opportunity comes from. It's the artistry that you can bring to what it is that's out there. It's not just taking what's there and and pulling it together. I remember when I was a young kid uh, that one of my, one of my teachers, maybe in second grade, man, she said, if you don't know how to use the Dewey decimal system, you're going to be locked out of information and, gra- and understanding nice. information for the rest of your life. Now, I would, ask, decimal. I would like, <laughs> I, I would like to inquire amongst my brotherhood here. Yes, I learned the Dewey Decimal System look, so that look, I I'm... could access information. And guess what? My use of the Dewey Decimal System <laughs> is as dead as Dewey. That I'm not. It's over with. <laughs> <laughs> it's over with the technology she had a heart in the right place she taught me something that helped me out for a while hey, but, but that, i don't that's 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 not but, what but, see, but, but but then that's the thing technology came along dewey decimal system it wasn't technology in that sense it was it was a system and a process because like we had to take a test on the dewey decimal. you had to know what uh what zero to uh one and everything in between. It was it was what technology. It was a technology of the time, a category, a system by it was, which no, they were just able to organize. To, but but that is that is a form of technology, man. That you know I whether it's you. a it's a tool. Anytime anytime you're using I tools, mean, that is it. That it was not, a, look. It's not the, when it when it first came like out. When it first came out, it was innovative. Exactly. Somebody was like, what? With the numbers and then boom and then the drawers? Oh, snap. I know where everything is. Like, it, Dewey, Dewey spitting, right? It was a different, it was a different world. Dewey changed the game. Same, Dewey same changed, way. Dewey with, changed the game. Shout exactly. out to Dewey, but Google, right. Google, Yahoo, and G shut you down, my man. Right, exactly. But they stood on the shoulders of Dewey. You know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> you had to take you had to take Dewey and like how can I make this better? You know what I can do? I can create Amazon where you can just type the book in. You got to you even got to know whether it's fiction, nonfiction, none of that. Boom. I, I I feel like you know um, people who and this is a danger that educators have is we fall in love with what it is that we've teaching the way we've been teaching it. Well, creatures instead of, of falling, instead of falling in love with the idea of learning as an evolutionary process and getting young people to fall in love with the ways in which you can learn and how that can advance and how you have to have your mind engaged for that next big opportunity. And I think what you'll find is the most successful people among us are the people who operate with that sort of outlook. They don't worry about what it is that they are just good at right now. They think about what it is that's going to be the next opportunity that they can be good at going forward. Yeah, like what am I? What do I not know how to do that I can learn mm-hmm. how to do? Where's the next challenge? But I, you know, mm-hmm. we're we're cre- we're creatures of habit. You know, 
we're creatures of comfort and habit. So if we're comfortable and we have habits, we don't see we don't see need. We often don't see need to change that, you know, until something outside of us uncontrollable disrupts that. Like life is life is going good. Life is great. And then a natural disaster happens, which disrupts your life. Life is going good. And then a major health scare comes along and it disrupts your life. So I think the concept and wrapping our mind around actively finding disruption for ourselves to make our lives better is a huge thing to mentally grasp just based off how we are naturally disrupted. If that makes any sense. It it does, because the thing becomes, I think the you have the most expansive and the most exponential growth when you're in situations that there is no playbook and you have to resort to being resourceful. So to Doc's earlier point, I've always I've always wondered why it's just like, okay, some teachers are open book test or no, you got to prove to me, you know it. Life definitely doesn't operate that way. And I, I, I really see the more successful people, not only in my business, but across industry and business and and life in general are people that are resourceful. So when there is no playbook, they're resourceful enough and intuitive enough to figure things out. And then a lot of that comes with your ability to connect and interact with others, whether that be some type of technology or the actual human element. You know, so the go it alone folks, tend to be the closed book <laughs> test masters and your leaders, your influencers, most of the time, at least based on my estimation, tend to be the resourceful folks who are more like the open book and they, mm-hmm. they are willing to go together because they know that they can do it faster, more efficient and better. But again, your most expansive growth is going to come when there is no playbook. And so when you get in moments like that, do you want the person who's trying to do something based on recall or do you want a person who's willing to use every possible tool at their disposal? And they are now skilled in the in the in the nature and the very way in which the world function operates and requires you to live in order to survive, because that that you get you get stuck in a way of thinking that says the way that I was taught how to do it is the way that it ought to be. It was better than. But show me a salesperson that wants to pull out a phone book. Don't you want that CRM in front of you that gives you the notes on this client for the past 10 years, even though you've never met them, that everyone that has ever serviced this client has left a trail of crumbs for you to follow? Show me a person who doesn't want to you know, expand their network by simply logging onto their social media platform and being able to reach hundreds, if not millions of people in a single instance. But again, responsible use comes back into play. If I'm going to do that, then what we have to really, we have to realize we now live in a culture where you only probably got one, maybe two chances max before the AI helps or the platform helps expose you for who you really are. And then people are left to make a decision about you. And you've left that impression Like AJ said, maybe you didn't impress them, but you have left the impression and it may not be the one that you wanted to be because you're using your resources, your your resourcefulness in a wayward way. And people get an opportunity to respond to you in real time. Now, you don't have to wait for the, the, the verdict to come. They get to respond to you in real time. So as fast as it comes, it can be gone in an instance in the same way. So basically what I've gathered from all of this is that it's still going to be about the work that you put in. Absolutely. It's, it's just really yeah. about, it's really about efficiency, not productivity. It's going to be about efficiency, which if you really look at efficiency and productivity, you know, it's basically quality versus quantity. If you break it down like that, like productivity is like, you just putting out more, but is what you putting out still valuable? Mm-hmm. Um, I've enjoyed this midday conversation with you gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. We have definitely got to figure out how to do this more often. Um, oh, yeah. I love the results and we haven't even released it yet, but I I, I appreciate this conversation. Um, so I will pass it to both of you all with any closing remarks 
uh, in terms of, but I, I feel like y'all have said everything, but you know, y'all are yeah. profound. Y'all are very profound <laughs> gentlemen. So Dr. Lovett, I'll pass it to you first and then DJ, you, you pick it up. Yeah. Let me, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, when we're talking about disruptive innovation, I think that it's important to focus on the innovation and not focus so much on the disruptive or disruptive part. Never get too comfortable um, doing things the way that you have, except for the one thing, and that's being hungry for, for learning and trying to to uh, get a hold of new things. I think that's the thing that you want to make sure that you always have a rich tradition of doing. But when we start looking at the ways in which you can acquire information, the ways in which you can use things, the uh, the tools that are out there, try not to fall too in love with any one of them, because there's always something new that's coming out. And as long as you embrace the idea of learning new things and understanding your field and having passion for those things. Now you can embrace those new technologies as new opportunities to learn instead of focusing so much on the disruptive elements to the point that it makes you sad anything, anytime new, something new comes out. And I've heard this sort of lamentation that comes along with people like, oh, well, you know, everybody's delivering things via email. So now you're not going to need the postman. Well, then you didn't see Amazon coming around the bend. Well, now you need more delivery people than ever. Right. But then, well, now once they have these automated vehicles, you're not going to have the need for people to drive these deals and they'll have drones and all that. Yes, but they're going to need drone operators, drone makers, people who are going to conceive of the next biggest things. I think that you have to be, re be ready to recognize the opportunities that are in front of you. And so you won't be the target as much of the disruption as you will be the person who is ready to ride these waves and use innovation in ways that is going to be good for you, your family, the people around you and give you all options and new opportunities and new efficiencies and ways to be better at what you do. And also, AJ said, just be more present for the human element and around each other because it also can free up time so that you can spend that with the ones that you love. So these, these disruptive innovations as opportunities and, and, and use them. Go ahead, Destro. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. No, you're good, man. I, I would just add on in closing that I agree with you that we, we tend to focus on the disruptive part. But again, I like to try to put a lens on things with the way that I intend to use it in the way in which mm -hmm. I would hope it would impact the world. That's That's why I throw positive disruption out there. Look at the ways in which things can be imp improved and improved exponentially. Again, I look at time as one of the more valuable resources you have. Anything that can give me more time to do the things that I want to do, as opposed to the things that I absolutely, quote unquote, need to do, that's called freedom. So if there is something that can give me time freedom in a way that does not damage hurt or hurt others and also puts me at a competitive advantage to be a leader, not only in my field, in my community. Um, I count that as a net positive. And so I'm all for disruption, especially when you net out the fact that you're basically bringing access to a broader number of people who have otherwise either been priced out of it, have had no exposure to it, or quite frankly, may not have an interest in it because of the manner in which it had been delivered or packaged in the in the past. And so I see this as a major opportunity. And again, will there be some pitfalls, some hurdles to get over? Of course. But the more we understand about it, the better opportunity we have to get in front of those things. So, you know, I'm excited to see what what this holds. And I plan to leverage it in in several ways. And if there's someone out there that's listening, if you found a cracked you know, a way in which to leverage or use this, reach out to us. We'd love to have you on and maybe talk to you about, you know, some of the ways that you're using this technology. I mean, because again, we have a small lens in terms of the business lines or, or um, industry that we look at, 
but I can only imagine what this does for true creatives and true artists who, you know, this may unlock something that brings the world its next great whatever. And so I'm excited. Back to you, AJ. I'm going to keep saying it until uh, I hit stop record. I, I appreciate uh, this conversation that we've had today. Um, number one, because y'all both know y'all deal y'all deal with, with finance all day, every day. And y'all know I deal with, you know, technology all day, every day. And this was this was, you know, this was a good blend of, of, of the conversation um, that I appreciate. So, I, you know. Like I said, I keep saying I appreciate this conversation, um, but I think the 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 overarching tones that we gotta we gotta make sure that you know everybody gets with is the responsible use portion of it, um, and 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 being able to, like the AI taught me <laughs> to be honest with yourself and others as needed. I put that in in parentheses as needed. You share with others as needed, but be honest with yourself and others as needed about your situation you know whatever it is that you that you that you are dealing with be honest with yourself number one so that you can embrace and educate yourself on these tools these resources this access because there's a disruptive innovation going on around you that you either going you you're going to embrace and educate yourself on it to to enhance yourself and then obviously enhance others around you because how can you help somebody if you ain't helping yourself but um, know your audience and your audience is you. That's part of being honest with yourself. Long as you're doing that, um, I think it's, you know, you embrace and educate these things. You'll be able to get over it. Like Doc said, you'll be able to break through that block uh, in terms of creation and in terms of using your true human capital, which is your mind, to be able to do things that you are not normally able to do because, you know, we're so stuck in routine. We're so stuck in habit. Change and Disruption only happens naturally when things outside of our control happen. So why would we try to control our own disruption? Right. So um, this episode has been brought to you by the flight 87. Go get you some www.leflight, the number eight, the number seven dot com. Um, it's a cool apparel line. We know the owner. Um this has been the Brethren Podcast. Follow us on all social media platforms at Brethren Pod. That's spelled like bread, B-R-E-A-D-R-E-N-P-O-D, because we always talk about bread. And hopefully uh, y'all are getting some, because that's what we're doing, too. Um, follow everybody else on their social media at Empower, Engage, Execute for Mr. D. Wells uh, and at Dr. Ajamu Lovin. That's D-R-A-J-A-M-U-L-O-V-I-N-G. On uh, all social media, Doctor Loving on Money and you. Uh, hopefully, this was an insightful conversation for y'all. Let us know. You know, follow us, talk to us, engage with us, and empower us. We'll execute it. Um, we love y'all, and know you can do about it. Peace. Vision.